Morning. We are so, so thankful and excited that you're here at Landmark Church. Um, my name's Dan. I'm the Connections Minister here. We're thankful for those who are joining us online, those who are right here in this room. Um, so our lead minister, Buddy, who this is what he normally does um, every week, except for every once in a while, and then he asks you something like, hey, could you fill in on, you know, June the 4th? And my first thought is, well, I love my my job, so yes. <laughs> but seriously, uh, it's an honor to be able to, we're actually going to conclude um, this series on the story today, and uh, all kidding aside, uh, it, is, it is fun to get to speak in this series because Buddy has done such a, a beautiful job, such a wonderful job of starting with creation, starting with our Heavenly Father, the great I Am, and, and Him just creating and then sustaining, and then making a path back to him when sin entered the picture. And so we've talked about the garden and the tree there, and we've talked about the tree in Revelation, and how we're between those two trees right now. But he's given us a high-level view of that, kind of an overview. And, uh, but today, I know you're going to love this. I know you're excited. I just I can't wait to tell you, so I'm going to tell you. Today we're going to talk about you. I know, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. We're not going to go around and say everyone's name, and and we're not going to uh, make you talk about yourself. Well, some of you, one person in particular, I'm going to make talk about herself because she's going to help us with with an interview in just a little bit. And some of your names may be mentioned, but we're going to talk about you because Buddy has painted this picture since Easter in this series of the story. The most important story there is, God's story, his creation, and again, how he sustains it and how he has redeemed his creation. And uh, what's beautiful about the creation is that, you know, God created and he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. You're very good. And we're going to talk about that today. So the first question that we're going to ask is, do you believe that your part of the story, of God's story, really matters? Do you believe that? I, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable when I said we're going to talk about you. You're going to hear a lot of language today like you and your. And I want you to be challenged with this because your part in the story in answering that question, do you believe that you really matter? And your part in the story matters. It's a big deal. So we're going to explore that today. So I think the next question we have to think of and, and kind of reason with and, and talk through is, do you matter? So let's, let's ask that. I want you to think for a moment. Do you believe that you matter? Do you really believe that, that deep down that you matter? That you're part of, of God's creation? That his love, the love that he has for everything that he's created that you're a part of that and that you matter. These are not only worthwhile questions, but we must ask these to really embrace and glorify God the way he's created us to. So let's go to scripture and look at 1 John 4, 7 through 21. It's a little bit of a lengthy reading, but well worth it. And I'm honored and excited that we get to spend time in God's word together this morning. So let's start reading 1 John 4 and we'll go 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love 
does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Pay attention. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And just really dial it in here. Pay close attention. This is how love is made complete. This. Among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. I want to pause there for a second. It's not us getting enough stuff right. Or just not getting too much wrong. That gives us confidence in the hope that we have in Jesus. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us. So we can have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. And then continuing, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I cannot stress this enough this morning. Because there are so many lies being told to every one of you and me here this morning. Lies that you're not enough. That you've done too much. That you are forever outside the bounds of God's grace and the richness and fullness of his love. And that is a lie. It is direct from our enemy. He would have you believe that you are beyond redeeming. And you're not. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So guys, I mean, does your part matter? Do you believe that? Do you matter? And we're just going to continue asking these questions because I want you to reflect on this. We're talking about you today. I'm talking to you. Every single one of you in this room and online and everybody who goes back and and sees this at any point in the future, Satan would have you believe that you're not enough. And our Heavenly Father is saying you're more than enough. You're not only worth redeeming, And bringing back, he went through a great deal to give us this hope, this promise, this salvation. And he gives us a command to love. So guess what? If you don't love yourself, you got to work on it. 
You've got to work on it because the next question we're asking is, do you love yourself? How do you feel when I just mentioned that question? How how do you feel? Do you start feeling a little bit uncomfortable? Like, well, loving myself, that sounds unholy. Satan would have you believe that. That loving yourself goes against God's nature. How, How long is the list that you've been keeping about yourself, the mistakes that you've made, the struggles that you have right now, how long is that list that you're carrying around and how heavy is it? How much does it weigh? What toll is that list taking on your ability to love yourself? And we're gonna go to scripture in just a second and I'm I'm gonna prove to you that this is from God. This is not just an idea that me or someone else came up with. Loving yourself is holy. So that question, do you love yourself? Turn over to Matthew 22, 34 through 30. And before we read that scripture, I I just, I wanna challenge you with this. Does it mean when you love yourself that you lack humility? Does it mean that you're not humble? That you think too much of yourself to love yourself? Let's, Let's see what scripture says about this. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So basically everything you got, every ounce of your being, every, every fiber of your being, give it all to God. Love him with everything that you've got. This is the first and greatest commandment. But guess what? Probably in the same breath. There, there's, there's, there's not a pause or a delay or days or weeks or months. And then he gets back to us, back to the question. When they say, teacher, what, what's the greatest? What's the way that we can honor our, our God, our heavenly father the most? He said, this is the first and greatest command. But hey, here's the second. And it's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, wait a minute. Love God and love others. I know what you're thinking. If Nathan Capps gave you one of these, is this incomplete? Love God and love people? No. No, our campus ministry, I love that. They use that all the time. Love God and love others. Love God, love people. It's something we've embraced as a church family. It's so true. It is clearly the greatest command. But if you don't love yourself... Something's missing. You have got to be in the mix. Are you leaving yourself out of that? Are you trying to love God and love others without loving yourself? And that question about humility, humility doesn't mean a lack of love for self. Self Self-care rooted in Christ fulfills part of the greatest command. Love God, love others as yourself. If you aren't loving yourself, then the love you have for others and for God will be a fraction of what it could be. Listen to this, guys. Loving yourself isn't selfish. It's holy. I'm going to say that again because if you're like me, you need to hear things a lot. Loving yourself isn't selfish. It's holy. Jesus himself said, love God like crazy. Just give him everything you've got. Love your neighbors. 
why, why do we balk on that last part? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I do, because I know me. I know my list. I know all those things. And you know who else wants to remind me of that day in and day out? Satan, our enemy, wants me to stay so focused on, on the mistakes that I've made and how bad I am that if even for just a moment I miss some of God's goodness and riches and grace, then Satan feels like he's won a little battle. Because guess what? That war, that victory, Satan cannot undo what Jesus has done. You guys hear that this morning? Satan cannot undo what Jesus has done. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we have a hope, a promise, a future with our Heavenly Father forever and ever and ever. That cannot be undone, but Satan can make your life a living hell. He can cause pain and heartache because he's just a really bad loser. And he wants you to hurt, and he wants you to be miserable, and he wants you to spread that around. Believing that we're worthy and valuable is not an original idea from man. It's a command from God. Again, he went through a great deal to rescue you and to rescue me. So maybe some examples right here in this room or joining us online or friends and family of yours or neighbors um, are struggling with this idea of loving ourselves. What about a veteran who served and, and seen combat? I had a friend share with me this week a good deal about this. And we have an epidemic of just a proportion that is possibly unparalleled of our men and women serving in combat and taking their own life. That is our enemy. That is an attack from Satan wanting each and every one of us, wanting someone who has participated in an abortion to believe that God's love no longer exists for them. Wanting someone who has stolen to feed an addiction, someone who continues to struggle with pornography, wanting each and every one, if you've done someone wrong and caused hurt, if you have a relationship that's damaged and you feel like it's beyond repair, Satan wants us to believe each and every day a little bit of that lie and then chew on it a little bit more, that God's love comes up a little bit short for us. But see, Jesus is very clear. Love God, love others as you love yourself. And in Ephesians 5, 29, let's look at this. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. Here's the key part of this verse, just as Christ does the church. How should you care for yourself? No big deal. Just the way that Jesus cares for the church. Laid down his life, that death, burial, and resurrection, choosing God's will over his own. He was 100% man and 100% God. So that part of him that was 100% man and flesh who wondered if there was another way and God said there's not. So Jesus, in all of his excellence, said, okay, dad, let's, let's do this. I'm, I'm going to the cross. He chose that for you and he chose it for me. If we're wondering if our part really matters, if you're wondering if you matter, if you don't love yourself, there's a better way and it's, it's something to grow in. So the next question that I have is, how do you view your part in the story? Because see, you have a part. You've been created. Our heavenly father, the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the, the beginning and end, the author and perfecter of this faith, this hope that we have. He not only created all the stars in the universe, 
He calls them by name, we see in Psalms. And then you know what he did? He said, but I need a Peter. I need a John, Bobby, Emma, Ashley, Becky. Not need the way that we need things. But he felt this desire to create you. Think about that. Naming the stars, calling them by name, and he desires you and he created you to bring glory and honor his name the way that the stars do. I mean, just how cool is that? Just pause for a second. And like, you're thinking about that list and thinking about this weight that we carry and not loving ourselves enough. Let's just reflect on that. In addition to all of the stars having a name, he decided to create you. You're his. So wondering if you matter and viewing your part in the story, I believe there's two tendencies that we we struggle with and wrestle with. The first one is we exaggerate our part in the story. I've definitely done this as if it's up to me to get someone to heaven, as if it's up to me for someone to be with God forever and ever and ever. Jesus has made that possible. He doesn't ask us to do that, but he does give us a part in the story to be his hands and feet. God in his infinite wisdom, unparalleled, he is so great. He wrote you and me into this story as his physical presence in this life. That's a big deal. It's a big deal that he's given us this opportunity, this responsibility that we want to steward well to be him to his sons and daughters who are far from him and haven't called on his name, surrendered and thrown themselves at his feet to die to their old self and be raised to new life and to live with him, he gives us the chance, the part, to be in that story. But it's not all up to you. So let's dispel that tendency and that myth. The second one is to minimize your part in the story. I think we can probably all relate to this. Does it really matter what I do for God? Someone else will do it. That's up to someone else. Someone else is more gifted than me for that. Someone else is calling. That's just, I mean, like, really? Is that that what you're going to do? Is that we're going to decide what people's callings are? Let's just, no, I don't think so. I think what we need to do more, what I need to do more is realize that God's at work everywhere, but he's given you a very specific part. You can reach someone in the name of Jesus and point them to the cross in a way that I can't. Everybody in here, you can represent Christ in the most unique, special way. So what am I saying about these two tendencies? That both tendencies are dangerous. They're dangerous. They're toxic. Because whether you feel like it's all up to you or whether you feel like you don't matter, there's this holy expanse of space in between these two extremes to live and to love. Both of those tendencies are dangerous, but I believe that you exist to live and love between these two extremes. I believe that you exist to live and love between these two extremes. It's not up to you completely, totally, but also you do have a part and you matter. How great can it be for us to embrace that and realize we have help through God's Holy Spirit? This quote from Steve Addison, I think, says it really well. We must see ourselves 
in these men, talking about the, the inner circle, the closest of the close to Jesus, his apostles. We must see ourselves in these men who failed him. We must know, listen very carefully right here, that the movement of God does not begin or end with us. Now, I've been talking you guys up this morning. I don't know if you noticed. I've been saying like, you're pretty awesome. God made you, but I'm also going to provide a reality check for us. We have our limitations. God does not. We did not start this story and we won't finish this story. You just have a part in this story and it's holy. And you can do so much more with your part in the story if you will realize that God created you. You are a part of his beautiful creation. You are unique and special and gifted. And he doesn't need you the way that we think about needing things, but he wants you. Oh, how he desires to be with you forever and ever and ever and to glorify him in this life now. It does not begin or end with us. We are those fearful, unfaithful disciples. But here's the hope. Until God in his mercy transforms us into how we play our part in his story. This is big. We don't start the story. We don't finish it. It doesn't begin or end with us, but man, we have a part in it, a beautiful part. You do, and I do. So our question is, how do you embrace loving yourself and loving your part of the story? I'm gonna invite Leanne Jordan. She is a willing participant. I did not have to twist her arm much to get her to join us today. If we can get help with those two stools. Um, Leanne's gonna come up and to help you think through this, she's going to share some of her story and how she began loving God and loving her part in the story. Can we welcome Leanne up here? Thank you so much. (laughs) So Leanne, I would just say with this question that we're asking, how do we embrace loving ourselves and loving our part of the story? How How did you begin loving yourself? Tell us some of your story and how you began loving your part of the story. Okay, well, um, I grew up in the Deep South, and I was told all my life growing up by the women who raised me and were part of my circle, um, Leanne, you need, to, you need to do less. You need to be quieter. You need to be softer. You need to um, stop laughing so loud. You laugh so loud all the time. And so um, I just wanted to be wild and free and run around and play outside. I didn't want to have to put on lipstick and blush and fix my hair. I just wanted to be a hooligan. And they were always saying, shh, no, that's too much. I heard the phrase 10 million times when I was growing up, you need to be more ladylike. And I also heard you are the most destructive child. So, um, and that, um, you know, my family did the best by me that they could, but, you know, some of us are a lot. And um, so as I grew up, um, I began to have a very heavy sense of worthlessness. Um, I felt like I wanted to love God and I wanted to do right, but I never added up. So I was that extreme of just, just utter worthlessness. And so as I became an adult, Um, I picked up with drugs and alcohol in my 20s and did that for 20 solid years. Um, I quickly went from alcohol to pills to IV drug use, um, and that all culminated with a suicide attempt, um, which I woke up from. That was the moment that I realized God has something else 
planned for me. Um, I got myself into a recovery program very quickly, um, got to some meetings, um, started coming here to RSVP. That was where my um, journey began, um, realizing that I mattered some. Um, I met a beautiful, there's so many great ladies at RSVP, and I met this beautiful, wonderful, wonderful lady in RSVP who was so soft and so kind and so gentle, and I said, ooh, when I get all this out of my system, I'm going to be just like her. I'm going to be soft and kind and gentle because now that I'm not doing dope, that's what's going to happen. And God looked down from heaven and said, bless her heart. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because God's Southern. We know that. But yeah. So I got no, there. I'm still too much sometimes. I'm still loud. I still have a big loud laugh, but... I started, she told me so many times, and I've heard her say it, and I'm so grateful for her wisdom being shared with me, that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And um, when I compare myself to those that I feel like are better than me for some reason, then I feel that worthless feeling. Mm. And when I compare myself to those that are still struggling in addiction and alcoholism, I think, Ooh, look at me. I'm so much better. I'm in recovery. It's that extreme thinking that we seem to have. And so um, for me, the journey to realizing that I mattered to God and loving myself was being at peace with the fact that it's okay for me to be outside and be loud and uh, laugh loud. And there is a place for that here at Landmark. There's a place for that at RSVP. There's a place for that with women in recovery. I may not look just like that woman, but I have my own little piece of the puzzle that fits That's just right. right to be able to get out of myself and love others. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I started my journey, um, yeah. to being at peace with who I am and knowing that God loves me and so I can love me. And I love that it's allowed you to embrace, and there may or may not be over the years, a few louder people who have just gravitated towards you. Yeah. And, and they get to I identify with someone. You yeah. probably also had some quiet and meek ones that said, I'm going to be loud like Leanne when Somebody I get all my stuff together. Somebody told me that this yeah. morning. Yeah. They said, oh, I've, I've always thought I, just, I wanted to be just like you. I'm so quiet. And yeah. I, I, I've always wanted to be loud and outgoing. And I thought, isn't that funny that we all yep. do that? We all have some little piece of our, you know, some characteristic that we wish was another way, but God is using us just where we are because I can connect with people that sometimes mm. the quiet people can't connect with, and there sure are people that connect with the quiet ones that can't connect with us loud, yeah. outgoing ones. So there's a place for all of us. Well, I think if, if there was one thing that you would um, share, and I know from talking with you about this, and thank you so much, um, it would be about comparison. So would you share with everybody one more time? Yes. Um, it's been a great journey, and it's taken a while for me to embrace it. And there are days where it doesn't jump into my head as often, but I try to remember that comparison is the thief of joy. Amen. Can we thank Leanne for thank you so much. Yes. Love you. <laughs> Guys, now is a time where we're going to go to the table. And the reason that we're going to go to the table right now is because you matter. You are loved. You have a part in God's story. Look around this room. 
we will go to, there's communion all around the room. You can go there, there's bread and there's juice and it represents the body of Jesus Christ and it represents the blood that flowed freely on that cross. But you have people, if you came in buying into that lie that you're all alone or that you're unworthy, lay it down. We're gonna go to the table so that you can look around and see, make eye contact with someone. That may not normally be your thing during communion, But just be reminded that you're in this room. If you're online taking communion with us, you matter. You are loved. We have got to work on loving ourselves because it's a holy thing to do. So I'm going to pray over this bread and cup, and we're going to go to the tables and commune together. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so good. This bread and this cup, this this supper, this meal that's yours, that you've given us, Jesus, that that you won't partake in until you return, but you've given it to us and it's for us now where we can glorify our heavenly father and say thanks for all that's been done for us. And we can look around the room and be reminded that we're not alone. It's a lie from our enemy that we're alone, that you ever intended for us to go through this life alone. It's just not true. We have community. So as we commune together, God, we celebrate you and we thank you. We thank you for that sacrifice. It's in the name of Christ, I pray, amen. You guys can be seated for just a few minutes. Um, we're going to offer a time of response. This is a, a chance to respond to the invitation. And so with these questions that we've asked today about, do you believe that you're part of the story matters? Do you, do you believe you matter? Do you love yourself? How do you view your part of the story? There are some potential responses, and, and if you're following along and filling out the outline online or in person, it's just there's blanks right there. Here, here's a few potential options. Number one, lean in to the love and gifts God has given you. You are special. Lean into that love and those gifts that God has given you. Another option, number two, lean in to the community of people. God has given you. I see a room full of them right now and there's, there's many more. And number three, lean in to any prompting from God's Holy Spirit for a total surrender. You know, this is something that stays on my desk all the time. This was given to me by a, a friend who I love very, very much. And uh, it's a friend uh, that she and I got to know each other when we lived in Texas, when I worked and served with a church family there. And this friend had maybe the hardest time I've ever seen anyone have truly believing and buying into that she is tied for first with every son and every daughter that God has ever created. She gave me this when we were moving to Alabama, back to Sweet Home Alabama from Texas. And, and, we, and our hearts hurt. We, we love our friends and, and became family there in, in Round Rock. But when we were leaving, people gave us different um, cards, different gifts and things like that. But there's one that stays on my desk and it's this one. And my sweet friend Brenda handed me this and she said, this reminded me of you. I don't know what it is. To which I said, thanks. And then she proceeded to say something that just melted my heart and continues to today. I got emotional in first service, so I am really trying to hold it together. She said, it's unique. 
It's special. And when I saw it, I immediately thought of you. And see, what I didn't know was how God was working on my heart while Brenda and I were meeting and praying. And for her to believe that she's tied for first, God was teaching me that too. And Brenda taught me and teaches me so much. And I love her and I miss her. And she's in recovery and going strong and it's hard. And she lives in an Oxford house in Texas right now. And this is a reminder. And if you've sat and talked with me for a bit in my office, I may have even referenced this or shown this to you. People have different ideas about it. But after I describe it as kind of weird and odd and unique, they all say, yeah, yeah, I see the similarity. See, see why she gave it to you. You are special. You are created by God the Father for his glory to have a part in his story. You're not the story he is. It didn't begin with you. It won't end with you. But oh, the riches of his love and embracing your part of that story. If you have any need, anything we can pray with or pray for, please come just to the front while we sing.